Hello, and welcome to the Vitality Women Leading Audaciously podcast. I am Jennifer Helene, CEO of Purposeful Ventures, devoted to naturally innovative solutions for the realignment of humanity. We believe that stories connect us, dismantling the illusion of separation, causing healing. This interview will be 20 to 30 minutes long, and I look forward to sharing on Common Ground. Hello, and welcome to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Very excited today to have Victoria Pelletier. She, I just mispronounced her last name, Pelletier. She is a corporate executive, and she's also a speaker and an author, and I'm just so delighted that you're here with us, Victoria. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your story. Um, what got you to where you are today? And I know it's a big, long journey, but if you could just give us some highlights about your story of resilience. Absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Helene, I wasn't always comfortable sharing the story so openly, but as I spent a lot of time coaching and mentoring others, I felt I did a disservice to them by not sharing with them my why. Thank you, Simon Sinek. But uh <laughs> And it's because I'm um, I'm born to a drug addicted teenage mother who is exceptionally abusive to me. And I went in and out of the child welfare system. I was one of the fortunate ones, who, however, that was adopted into a safe, you know, loving home with two parents who cared for me deeply, my mother in particular. But it was that that I think taught me the fight or flight instinct. I wouldn't say I had a healthy level of resilience always. I had to learn that. I think that that's a little bit of a muscle, but it was that my desire to be better than my biology and my circumstances, although a loving family, lower socioeconomically, my mother was a secretary, my dad, a school janitor, no money for me to go on school trips and that kind of thing. And so I was determined to be better than and circumstance or biology. And so I started working at age 11. I've almost always had multiple jobs or a side hustle. And I pushed myself exceptionally hard because in the workplace, I felt I had significantly more control in terms of my performance and my work ethic. And as a result, I became um, one of the youngest chief operating officers that I'm aware of at age 24 for a large outsourcing organization after a number of years working for um, a bank while I was in university and have progressed and stayed at that C-suite or even on the professional services side, now consulting C-suite members, uh, as well as sitting on boards. Mm. Well, that's an incredible um, journey that you've had. And I like how you discussed resilience as a muscle, because I believe it, it is something that we have to strengthen and it, it gets tricky. I think, especially women who are listening, who are in their forties and fifties, I notice you know, that we're a little bit more jaded, you know, that we have this kind of starting that started a paralysis in our belief system and um, the resilience that we had in our twenties looks very different because we didn't have the stories to back up our fears and, and, and our excuses. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to, you know, how you've built your muscle of resilience. I'd say it starts for me. Well, actually it starts with, I was with having a goal or objective always, whether it's personal, professional, but once I understand what that objective is, because obstacles, challenges are going to um, come across my path that you know, um, present the challenge in getting there. But really the first step, and I attribute my adoptive mother to um, helping with me with this, is self-awareness and self-reflection deeply. So whether it's in a career and understanding, what are the things 
that I enjoy, enjoy doing. I talk about the joy factor often around that 80, 20 rule, uh, uh, versus, you know, what do I get paid at? So, you know, doing moments, reflecting on that to re- being in relationships and what, uh, I, I talk now I'm in my second marriage and my husband is, I, I describe as not only being good to me, he is good for me and finding that, which is why I chose to leave my first marriage. And so that, ability to be really reflective about the circumstance, not only the things you can control, how you think the language and the actions or behavior that you demonstrate and where does that come from? And then trying to, the next step in that level of resilience for me is modeling the thought, action, language, behavior of who I want to either become uh, or the step towards that goal and objective, yet always giving myself permission to fail you know, we're going to take a step back sometimes, as they say, to take two steps forward. So goal and objective being incredibly hyper self-aware and reflective, and then starting to take action around again, even if that's thought, the thoughts you have permission to fail, and then going, starting that cycle all over again and anchoring back on whatever goal or objective you've set for yourself. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that process as like an ideal scenario. Um, and do you ever feel like, you know, beaten down or, you know, like some of those rejections, you know, it's kind of hard to get your hopes up and stay unattached. I mean, has there been, has there been moments where you also have had those experiences? Absolutely. I have, uh, whether it's been, you know, in relationships, I was quite hopeful for, and certainly in, in career, you know, I had a, a moment where I exited from one company to go to another and not long into that, that next opportunity, I realized I was unhappy and I had needed to have this moment of, okay, well, the common denominator here is me. So what is it about me in this situation? And some of it was the dynamics of the organizations, but then I was, could be really clearly articulate, okay, this is what doesn't work for me. And this is what, what does. And I was exceptionally disappointed with that uh, because I thought I did a significant amount of due diligence. So, you know, but then you have to make, then you make a conscious decision. And in that case, I've been there a short period of time. I'm going to stick with it and do the best that I I can um, and not, you know, flee it quickly to try and make sure that that next step is going to be the right one for me. And, you know, that, that was, you know, fairly, you know, recently in the last decade. And that, that was quite, quite disappointing. And in large part, because I still, as much as I'm way more confident in my skin, I uh, often look at my not self-worth but my confidence and what how I what I feel good about doing is around the impact I'm having and in spending 60 70 80 hours a week at work that's a pretty big part of it yeah huge so huge and those kinds of experiences come up for all of us and many of us struggle to create endings um and then the pattern like you described you know always seems to be reoccurring until it's resolved so good good on you for sticking it out at least until you could be sure you were going to attract the right thing and right thing i mean you know what's on purpose and i think that a lot of women who are listening they've communicated to me that they are looking to pivot in their careers that they've spent their life developing expertise in one area and they're no longer fulfilled by that. And it sounds like you may have gone through something similar. Could you speak to our listeners a little bit about some pivots that you've made? Well, uh, I, I made one really early on, Helene. I, I actually had intentions of being a lawyer. That's what I'd wanted to do from childhood. And I was in university and working for a bank uh, and I got promoted quickly through the organization. And so when they offered me uh, after my undergrad 
to you know move cross country in a promotion, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to take a year off before going to law school. And if I love it, then uh, uh, in the city, I'll stay there and I'll go to uh, go to law school there. Otherwise, I'll move back out west. And and I never did either of those. So that was pivot number one. I I learned even at that really young age that I was going to follow my my passion and what I was really enjoying doing. And at that point, I'd been promoted into a leadership role, and that's when I knew I was destined for that. So that was one pivot. The second pivot for for me was when I made the jump to become COO several years later, I was 24 years old. I was a new mother. My son was only a few months old at that point. And it was a stretch role for me. And I was leaping out of, there's no nothing, no job security. We all know that. But working for one of the big five Canadian banks, and I'm orig- originally from um, Canada, now living in the U.S. So there's there's a lot more security when you're with one of, you know, big five uh, to, you know, to make that leap out and for this massive stretch role. So that was pivot number two for me. And then there was one in my 30s that I made that was a combination of a personal decision. And that's actually after an 11 year relationship with my ex, my in marriage, I decided to leave because I wasn't fulfilled. But it was that that thinking in terms of the maturity that I'd now had at 33 versus 22 when I met my ex and but it translated into my work. And so then again, this fo- much greater focus on the the legacy I wanted to leave and the impact I wanted to have, not just within the workplace, but the community and those I served yeah. and the type of engagement I had around leadership, culture and things like diversity and inclusion. Interesting. That's so interesting. I think our children are always watching us and they uh, we are leading by example and they are following at some point. It may not be the time, the timing may be different, right? For some children, like now it's coming full circle for me, but three or four years ago, it wasn't. You may see that with your kids too. I don't know, but I'm really curious. This is about vitality after all. And for those of you who can't see her, she is beautiful. Like I could not believe that she had children the age that they are because she looks so young and vital and beautiful. Her eyes are so bright. Uh, her hair is so full and healthy. And these are all signs of vitality. And each of us has a different way of building that vitality. I'm curious, what is it that you do for yourself to maintain you know, your health and the balance of your life? So I'm a bit of a fitness fanatic. Uh, I grew up playing team sports and I switched to shocking as a Canadian. And I tell you this, that I played, started playing hockey in my 20s and loved the sport and did that. I've done triathlons. Uh, I switched to weight training many years ago and competed. And I still to this day work out six days a week. And that is great for my mind as well. I put on a podcast, an audiobook, or just music. And that's my time. And I'm also very reflective. And so I find it not only good for my body, but it's good for my mind. I do it first thing in the morning. I feel like it sets me up for the day in doing that and guarantees that I um uh, I, I get my workout in. I block my calendar. I, I you know, spend a lot of time talking to people around the boundaries you need to create. And that's my sacred time. So I block my calendar before 9am Eastern. So no one's booking me for an early morning. Um, doesn't mean I won't necessarily do that, but it's by exception. And so that's one of the things that's most important to me. And then there's another, which is, uh, uh, I, my, my poor husband and my best friend are my two people I refer to. I, I just need to download sometimes. I just need to talk through my day and I'm not asking for advice but that helps me even with my own processing. And so my husband generally knows at the end of the day, and sometimes that's with a glass of wine as well, uh, (laughs) brings that to me. Those are just things that I'll say keeps me sane, keeps me going when there's lots of challenge and and busyness around me. 
Yeah. And then like, what if they're not available? Like, do you, what, what happens if you don't have that download time? Uh, I, I'm lucky because I get to choose between two people, one of whom is usually available <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, but, but again, that morning time, super reflective for me. Other times, honestly, at the end of the day, after being on back-to-back conference calls, the majority of the time, that's when I'm very clear, like there's, I shut down. I want, you know, to, to mindless, like Netflix on, on TV or go, I just got an, a new dog. So actually he brings me in a lot of joy, taking him <laughs> out, walking with him. I joke with my husband the other day, like, I understand why so many people are calling them emotional support animals because in the short period of time, I'm like, Oh my God, I love this baby. (laughs) I know (laughs) you and I are very similar in that way. Like for me, it's non-negotiable. The exercise early morning without it, I don't think my I'm off all day. I don't, I need that time. And for me as well, it's like consciousness training, so to say. Um, in terms of reflective nature, I completely agree with that. And in the evenings for me, I'm also like doing some sauna or hot bath or something. Um, but I know what you mean when you're like back to back all day like that, you do need to allow yourself and folks who are listening, give yourselves permission to take some time to integrate and assimilate all of the things that are happening all day long and coming at us, whether it's email or phone calls or situations, conversations, um, issues like we need that time. And I've noticed, Victoria, I've worked with hundreds of high-performing women over the last 10 years or so uh, that don't, when they don't have that time, they sabotage, and then they get themselves into trouble. Um, I think it's so interesting that you compete. Like, you're, like they're very driven, aren't you? I am. I am shocking that I'm an A-type personality. I don't generally like to do things I don't do well at. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. But when you're really tired, um, what, what is you do those kind of Netflix things or like when you're just really like done, what do you, what do you do? What's, what's your go-to? Uh, so I, I need the the quiet time The the notion of being on all the time, uh, is exhausting. And so for me, it's me, I'm, I'm huge music lover. So mm-hmm. I just want to sit and listen and I, I, I'm multiple genre, but like just whatever I'm in the mood for. So listening to music, uh, I've, I've shifted from, I was an avid, avid physical book reader. Now it's mostly audible, yeah. uh, for me, uh, but that, that also, and, and I've, I'll vacillate between, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's a business related book or just some Patricia Cornwell is one of my favorite, like, you know, non uh, or fiction writers, something like that. Um, so that also just helps calm the brain down. Yeah. And to focus on something else. Uh, what are you reading right now? Curious. Uh, I just finished a Patricia Cornwell book and mm-hmm. then I have two others that I'm, I'm, I'm listening to. One is DEI Deconstructed by Lily Zhang. Uh, and um, another one, it's a business book and I'm going to forget the author's name, but it just talks about the very different way of taking like the innovator startup entrepreneurial mindset into big corporate. Um, so that's well with my day job. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, you told me that you speak, you're a speaker, uh, which I think is really exciting. Clearly, you're extremely articulate uh, and you're trained. And so tell me a little bit about why you love speaking. Oh, it, uh, it, it brings me such joy. I've used that word a couple of times, but really that's how I think. I, I, I joke, you know, my husband, I say like, I, or I do things that don't bring me personal or professional joy or passion. I either say no, I delegate or I outsource. And speaking for me is one of those things where the ability to engage with an audience, and I think it starts, my mom actually put me into acting classes in my youth. 
because I was shy, this like extroverted woman in front of you wasn't always. And so I, I was acting and I, I, I love that. So that it's seeing how an audience responds. And so the ability to um, create an impact in that room. So I hated doing it all over zoom over the last couple of years with a pandemic. I'm glad we're, we're back to in person that um, leaving them with um, something, a, a powerful message, leaving them with actionable insights that they can take away having them laugh, having them cry. Um, and then after, and quite honestly, afterwards, um, a lot of time, the lineup that of people who want to sit, sit and engage with me of just building, I'm, I'm a big believer in really authentic relationships from a place of generosity and not greed. And um, so, so that's why I do it. I love it. Amazing. Love that. It's tricky. It's a little bit tricky to become a speaker um, from what I understand in terms of like starting out and then becoming established. And then of course, uh, once you're established, you're established, but it's uh, it's an interesting journey. Uh, was it one that was easy for you or one that you just really had to work at and be consistent with? Uh, you have to be consistent for sure. And it's easy to be, um, well, I shouldn't say easy, to be a speaker that's not paid. Uh, there's always conferences. And that's how I got my start. For, it was almost exclusively for the first 10 years of my speaking career, it was for business-related conferences. And so they're always looking for someone to come in and speak. They're often asking for sponsorship. And so then you get a speaking slot. So there was easy to do it from in that regard. You do have to you know, work, work at it, much like resilience and muscle. You have to practice over time to be able to do that. I shifted 10 years ago into being a professional paid speaker. And that was in part because of the demand. Uh, and I've been hyper-focused on um, building a strong personal brand. And initially it was almost exclusively for my corporate job. I'm in, a, in B2B professional services. And we know that people do business with people they like and they trust and therefore want to do business with. But when you think about in B2B, there's RFPs that get issued and people bid. And lots of times there's people in procurement who don't engage with you, make a decision on price or other reasons. There has to be a reason beyond that. So my focus on brand uh, has what, it, you know, got me to a point where, you know, people now call me just to speak or by, or by word of mouth. And so for any of your listeners who want to do it, you do have to build a strong brand. You need to practice and you're going to need to build over time. You're not going to be able to charge certain rates until you're much more established uh, and be really consistent and out there with messaging. If it's, if it's about being a thought leader or a subject matter expert, you need to be out there consistently and become an influencer in your own sphere um, to start to be able to do it. I love it. Thank you so much. And I'd love for you to close here with any words of wisdom for our, our listeners. I'm a big believer in um, the fact that we, you know, we can all lead our own unstoppable journey. So that's a, for me, that's about being resilient, but it's coupled with this philosophy that I have of no excuses. My children hate that. But by that, I mean, we have choice. So again, things are going to happen, how we choose to respond um, to that. So we're the CEO of, in my case, Victoria Peltier. Your listeners are CEO of their, their own brand of themselves and so and how they choose to show up and respond. So a lot like kind of that resilient step-by-step -step of a goal and reflection and permission to fail and anchor back to, back to that goal is what I'd leave your audience with. You know, there's stuff that's going to happen. You talk about vitality. And, and, and again, those are going to be about choices that they take, whether it's around what they eat, what they choose to clear their mind, how what they choose for the health of their body. But um, everyone can be their own, their, the CEO of, you know, the, the brand you, if you will. 
Yeah, their lives, right? It's beautiful advice. And, and if everyone can take that ownership and remember how powerful they are in influencing absolutely every outcome that they're experiencing right now, that we're experiencing right now, um, there's real power in that. We forget, don't we? Um, maybe not you per se, because you've been spending so much time and energy, but uh, just the humanity of just knowing the state of what is, I'm sure as soon as you walk out the door, or go to the grocery store, you see that, you know, all, all around. Yeah. Um, for if you'd like to contact you, we go to your website. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, victoria-peltier.com. And if anyone prefers to connect on whatever social platform, they can find it through there as well. Nice. Well, I really appreciate you being here. We'll have your contact information in the show notes. And I just thank you so, so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Please contact me if you're interested in cultivating more vitality at jennifer-helene.com on the contact page. If you know this episode would be of value to your community, please share it on all of your social media channels. Maybe you are a successful working mom who would like to share your story on this podcast. Please visit podcast.jennifer-helene.com backslash podcast-guest to apply. And you might know someone who would be an ideal guest. If so, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I absolutely love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It mean a lot to me and my team in getting the word out about how to realign humanity with purpose. Purposeful Ventures is a company that is helping moms succeed in revitalizing their lives, relationships, businesses, and health. Please join a more personal conversation by working directly with me, joining my private Facebook group or one of my programs. This is Jennifer Helene, and thanks for spending your precious time with me.